This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olan, I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 192 of Fireside. As we are in the spooky season, we are going to be having a gothic haunted tale of the Headless Horseman. But first, if this is your first episode, you're very welcome along. This is a good introduction. If you enjoy this, why don't you head right back, whether it's a couple of months or all the way back to the very beginning to see what we've been building up to on the journey of Fireside over these last nearly four years. And if you are a returning listener, as always, thank you so, so much for your continued support. All the usual ways you can support the podcast, you can tell a friend, you can spread the good name of Fireside, you can share your favorite episode on your story, on social media, you can buy my book, Garden Sea. My personal favorite way of you to support the podcast is by buying the book, my neo-myth of home, uh, my collection of poetry, which I'm actually delighted to say I'm doing. finally doing a launch of, I launched the poetry book about this time last year. But because of lingering COVID restrictions and because I was summoned away uh, to work and an opportunity to work over in Dubai, I never got to launch the book properly, but I'm finally rectifying that by launching it in the Wicklow Library in my hometown, in the brand new library in, in my hometown. Uh, upstairs, beautiful function room up there. Uh, I'm launching that at 7pm on November Thursday, November 3rd. Um, tickets are free, um, but it is ticketed at Eventbrite. The link is in the description. I know most of the people who listen to this podcast either live uh, at, at the very least in Dublin or further afield. So I know m- many people wouldn't be able to be a part of that, uh, a part of the launch. But that is happening for anyone who just happens to be around the area who wants to make the journey to Wicklow to uh, experience the launch and live reading of Garden Sea. And uh, if you can't make it along to the launch and you still want to buy the book, you can do so. In paperback, you can order it from the Headstuff website or in Kindle version instantly from Amazon. All of the links are in the description below. If that doesn't float your boat, you can support the podcast directly by joining Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com, where for as little as five euro a month, or you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to not just bonus content for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network and more of them. There are every couple of months the network only continues to grow. 
But with all of that said and done, all the hard sells out of the way, the story for this week, I was delighted to come across this one. This is a, a very iconic archetype of Halloween and of horror and gothic literature, but one that you wouldn't immediately associate with Ireland, and that is the figure of the Headless Horseman. When we think of the Headless Horseman, we immediately think, first of all, of something like the... the um, the tale of Sleepy Hollow and the story itself and they later to become adapted in the Disney version in the tale of Mick Ichabod and Mr. Toad and also in the Tim Burton movie in about 99 um, but the Headless Horseman is actually a very strong character in Irish folklore known as the Dúlahan the Dúlahan is a very typical well less typical but very standardized and certainly frequent appearing uh, figure in Irish folklore depicted as a character without, as a rider without a head, either carrying his head under his arm or searching for his head indefinitely. So it's interesting that as a character or as an, an archetype, the Headless Horseman has existed since the Middle Ages and has, like so many things, found its very, very specific roots in folklore in Ireland as well. Um, so that even if it wasn't originally from Ireland, the Irish found their own interpretation of it to belong to them. It is known as the Dúlahan or the Gan Ceown, the without head. But I will not tell you too much about our headless horseman in this story because I'll leave it up to you now. Uh, this We will chat more as always afterwards, but this is the tale of the headless horseman on Fireside. <laughs> The Headless Horseman Charlie Cullnan was as fine a horse rider as had ever been seen in the town of Mallow in County Cork. But his confidence sometimes got the better of him. Charlie made a bet that his old mare Tassel could beat the rich Mr. Jepson's bay filly Desdemona in a long-anticipated Halloween hunt. Charlie had bet one hundred pounds. Charlie did not have a hundred pounds to trifle with, and Christmas was not far away. Nonetheless, the bet was made, and two days before the hunt, Charlie rode Tassel over to Fermoy to purchase a new saddle and bridle. There were plenty of saddlers in Mallow, but Charlie had made an enemy of every one of them with his high personal standards. While the Fermoy saddle-maker tanned and shaped leather, Charlie Colnan went to buy his wife Judy's Christmas presents. It was not even Halloween yet, but Charlie thought to buy all his presents before the day of the hunt. That way, even if he lost the money, at least he would already have bought the gifts. With his new saddle and silken golden bridle, Charlie Colnan felt like a king riding his old mare. But before heading back home, the rider popped in for a visit to his old friend and gossip, Con Buckley. The Harp of Era was the name of Con's pub, just outside Ballyhooley. It was already dark by the time Charlie Colnan arrived. You're later than I was expecting you, Charlie, said Con. I'm sorry, the saddle took longer to ready than expected. 
I won't be able to stay as long as I'd like. No matter, his friend said. We won't bother with the water, so. Looking at that sky, I'd say you'll get plenty of water falling from it to sober you up on your ride home. So let's have a drop of the water of life. The barman produced a fine bottle of Irish whiskey, and the two men toasted to each other, to the Harp of Era, and for Charlie to have good luck in the upcoming hunt. Having polished off one bottle, Con Buckley went to his store to retrieve another, and Charlie, seeing the hour was late, bolted from the bar and unbridled tassel and rode for home. The Irish goodbye is sometimes useful, but it is still very rude. Con will understand, thought Charlie. He knows I would have sat there drinking and chatting with him all night. The barman was right about one thing. No sooner had Charlie Culnan began his ride home than the heavens opened and it began to rain. The type of rain that instantly soaks to the skin. The kind of rain that you can't see more than five feet ahead of you. Charlie eased his gallop to a canter and hoped his old mare knew her way home. On the ride, the effects of the Ishkabaha he had drank at the harp began to increase his natural complacency. Anxiety gripped Charlie for the upcoming hunt. He worried his old mare had no chance against a young filly. What would he do? How could he possibly pay Mr. Jepson a hundred pounds if he lost? When man and horse reached the bottom of Kilcomer Hill, Tassel reduced her canter to a light trot. She was restless. Something was off. Charlie tried an encouraging word. Come on, old girl. We'll both get pneumonia if we don't get a move on. But the horse whinnied and bucked, and it wasn't the rain getting to her. Charlie looked in every direction, trying to see through the showers to a path home. He saw life coming behind him. Well, he thought it was life. He did not hear the gallop, but Charlie saw the head of a white stallion riding toward him. The closer the head came, the more disoriented Charlie was. This rain is heavier than I thought. How is it that that horse is so close when I cannot see or hear the rest of his body? Only when the head moved past the rider did Charlie realize to his sickening horror that there was no body. The bodiless horse's head still moved as if at full speed past Charlie and Tassel and made its way up Kilcomer Hill. Now it was Charlie who was restless. He went to turn his horse around and ride back to the Harp of Era. Any direction that head is going is one I'm not, he thought. But when he finally managed to steer his spooked steed around, Charlie saw an even more sobering sight. It was the horse's headless body. Galloping forward with all the thunder of a stallion's hooves echoing through the rain. But it was not the horse that Charlie was fixated upon, but the rider. A body about eight 
foot high was on the stallion's back, wearing a scarlet riding coat that repelled the rain. Charlie's eyes moved up, but he could not make out the rider's head. He moved closer and shouted without thinking, That rider has no head! Look again, Charlie Coleman. It was as if the voice had been in his own head. Charlie looked again at the body of the rider, and tucked underneath his right arm was the missing head. The voice had been hoarse and gruff, and the wrinkled and lined pale face was one to match. The hair was long and thin, wet and white. Charlie Cullnan was nothing if not polite and courteous, and in his most terrified hour used this as a defence mechanism. The headless horseman, as Charlie presumed him to be, did not use a crop or spurs to ride. He did not even make use of the stirrups on the saddle, which dangled as lifeless as his body should have been. It's, it's a fine... Fine rider you must be to ride without stirrups, said Charlie. <sighs> the bodiless head grumbled, unimpressed. Charlie thought again. That's that that's a fine coat you wear, sir, and one would need it on such a night as this. Again, the head scoffed at this small talk. It's an ugly head he has, so I can't very well compliment that, thought Charlie. But he was determined to charm the spirit to save his own life. That's a brave horse you ride, sir, he said. Huh, if you say so with your ugly head, growled the headless horseman. Charlie was frightened further by the spectre reading his own thoughts, but was pleased to have made a breakthrough in conversation. What? Would your honour be interested in riding with me this evening? You would ride with me, Charlie Conan, said the head with a ghastly smile Charlie didn't like. Just then Charlie thought of his own hunt. I, I would, sir. He had never refused a hunt. But I, I worry for my old mare. I, I need her at her best in two days' time, and if she is injured I will be down a hundred pounds. Will you take me at my word, asked the head, that no harm shall come to your mount? Gladly I will. And Charlie Colnan rode beside the headless horseman and his headless steed up Kilcomer Hill, and the old mare Tassel had never galloped as bravely, as swiftly, or as eloquently. Man and mount were in perfect rhythm with each leap and gallop, the bodiless floating head of the horseman's steed came back into view, but Charlie rode literally neck in neck with the body. The moment Charlie began to ease ahead of the body, the horseman cried out, Charlie Colnan, stop for your life, I say. Stop. And Charlie immediately halted his mare with skill and confidence. He had never felt so alive. The horseman would always win in a bout, as his horse's head would always ride eight feet in front, 
but Charlie was bolstered that in a fair race he himself would have bested the legendary headless horseman. If he could do that, he could surely beat Mr. Jepson's filly. The horseman once again seemed to know Charlie's mind. Charlie Colnan, you are indeed as fine a rider as I've known. It is a hundred years since my stallion and I fell on Kilcomer Hill and broke our necks. In all that time, I have looked for one who would dare to ride with me. And no one has ever had the courage. None but you. Remain as you are. Stay at the heels of hounds in a hunt. Never balk at a ditch and never turn from a stone wall. And I promise the headless horseman will never desert you. Charlie then saw the head of the horse ride upwards into the sky and rider and body followed. The man from Mallow did not know if the horseman's soul was finally at peace, but Charlie felt at peace himself. When he finally made it home, Charlie could talk of nothing but the headless horseman, but neither his wife Judy nor anyone in Mallow believed him. They said he had been spending too long a time in Con Buckley's Harp of Era again. But undeterred, Charlie went out to hunt two days later, and his old mare Tassel easily bested Mr. Jepson's bay filly Desdemona. And as Charlie Colnan counted his hundred pounds, he didn't care if anyone believed him, for he knew he had the blessing of the Headless Horseman. The End Technology, love it or hate it, it's part of our everyday lives. It's what brings you podcasts, minions memes from your granny, videos of animals doing adorable things, lots of lovely stuff. But it can also bring you anxiety, abuse and lots of ugly stuff. Some technologists would like you to believe that tech is going to save us all. Others want to warn you that it's going to ruin our lives. But sometimes it's just tech. And sometimes it's just tech for tech's sake. I mean, do we need NFTs? Should we be comfortable chatting with chatbots? Do drones have to deliver our dinner? Do we really want to meet in the metaverse? Do we really need so many podcasts? No, wait, that one's not so bad because For Tech's Sake is a new podcast taking a dive into deep tech and examining the everyday electronics influencing our lives. We're taking a look under the hood at the good parts, the bad parts and everything in between and hopefully helping you make your mind up about whether or not you love it or hate it. I'm Elaine Burke. I'm Jenny Darmody. And this is For Tech's Sake, a co-production from the Headstuff Podcast Network and Silicon Republic. And that is the tale of the Headless Horseman on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, in a, in a nice change of pace again, similar to our Haunted Cellar, this actually doesn't end up being a, a very melancholy tale. It has the gothic and the horror aspect, but it works out very well. 
So in many ways, I mean, in the adaptation that I did of this story, which comes from our, our, our oldest source and most recent source for these few folklore episodes, A Treasury of Irish Fairy and Folk Tales, which link is always in the description below, um, in which this, I think this is another T. Crofton Croker adaptation. It, this horseman is never referred to as a Dullahan in this one. And a Dullahan is different in some ways. Um, a Dullahan, for example, can sometimes yield uh, a human spine as a whip, which is an incredible image. But it was very specific, this story about um, this rider not using a whip or stirrups or even the the sp spurs or st like not using spurs or a whip and not even stirrups is what i meant to say there uh, that he rides essentially bareback um on this horse and this is a very specific headless headless horseman it's not a fallen soldier a fallen hessian soldier as it is in say sleepy hollow and it isn't this kind of malevolent spirit like it could very easily be in other tales this is a very specific man uh, a very specific man who has fallen from a horse a hundred years before this fact and has been looking for not retribution but simply to ride with someone again for someone to have the courage to ride with him another thing that differentiates this one from perhaps other headless horseman tales is the horse has no head either <laughs> that was a, a nice detail i liked as well that that and that's how charlie colnan very for the very first time sees this specter as he sees the the head of the horse coming through and the head is decapitated and the head rides ahead and gallops as if the body was still attached but the body is always behind so the head is always eight feet ahead of the body but when it comes to this headless horseman he himself must carry his own head in his right arm and i did enjoy i had a great time without trying to destroy my voice but a great time doing a tom waitsy kind of gruff dis dismembered head kind of voice it felt very very appropriate for there um what i also like about this tale this reminded me of um the family banshee tale of the hulans which i did as as a video a couple of years ago on instagram as well and did as an episode a few years ago um is that and this is what almost lends an air of uh realism to me at least is these tales of people walking home at night, whether they meet a puka or a banshee or a headless horseman, it's usually that they're walking home from the pub. And why I quite like that is that you would imagine that a huge amount of supernatural occurrences do happen on that walk when people are that little bit more loose and when things can play upon the mind more so. So in that kind of uh, condition, you would be more likely to see something that is perhaps not there. But also, even if you genuinely had seen something, people would be far less likely to believe you if you had come from the pub. And a huge amount of, uh, of this story is given to the character of Con Buckley, which I kept in because I liked the idea of uh, him having pissed off every saddler in Mallow and having to go to Fermoy. But then also while he's in for more, getting his presents and then calling in to his friend and that it is them drinking whiskey, drinking Ishkabaha and raising a toast to bring Con or to bring Charlie Gulnan fortune in this upcoming hunt, this bet for a hundred pounds 
this huge amount is put on this uh, this race against Mr. Jepson's Bay filly, Desdemona. And Desdemona is the name of the filly in the story. My addition was to call Charlie's mare Tassel after Katrina von Tassel, who is Ichabod Crane's love interest in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, um, just as a little Easter egg there. Um, but Charlie, it is suggested then that it is this toast and this luck that Charlie desperately needs to win this bet that's stacked against him, that he needs the blessing of the Headless Horseman. And I also liked that as terrified as Charlie is in these moments, he still attempts to charm the spirit. It is it is the only thing he can do is to try and compliment and charm charm this ghost and this apparition because he feels that is the best way to survive the night. And it does, it initially doesn't work. It initially displeases the horseman in some way. But eventually the horseman sees that Charlie might be the sort who will ride with him. And it is just this case of loneliness, that this is a man who clearly lived and died riding, and that he fell down this hill and broke not only his own neck, but his horse's neck, and for a hundred years has been waiting for someone who would just have the courage to to ride with him. So at the end, when the body is, uh, when the horseman's head flies up and the body follows in and it seems they're ascending to heaven or to some other world it seems that the souls are now at peace but they if not totally at peace they don't leave this our world entirely because they stay with Charlie Conan because they give him the good luck and the good fortune in the bet to come and I liked this there's actually a couple of lines that I kept verbatim from the story um first of all when uh when charlie is leaving the pub and i loved this moment where it's only when he has the drink in him that he starts to have anxiety about the upcoming bet in a serious way i I again thought that was a very realistic moment because that's that can so frequently happen to many of us i'm sure uh, but there was this wonderful phrase uh, to increase his natural complacency, that that's the effect that the drink had. And I, I adored that as a turn of phrase. So I kept that verbatim from the from the book adaptation. And the other is, is this horseman's promise at the end, um, where he says, like, never... Was it a stay? Oh, yes. Stay at the heels of the hounds, never balk at a ditch and never turn from a stone wall. As in always have courage as a rider. Um, never feel like any wall is too high to jump over, like any animals are, are going to escape from you. Anything that would make you have any kind of sense of anxiety or trepidation while on horseback. The horseman tries to impart Basically, this total fearlessness, this total foolhardy sense of bravado into Charlie Conan. And he says, basically, if you never have any fear as a horseman, I'll always be there. Which is kind of implying that, like, if he does, he won't need the horseman to be there anyway. But it has a nice little double that even if this is all, say, in Charlie's head, that this courage it gave him gave him a huge, huge sense of confidence, which would have stayed with him because a, 
an incredible sense of confidence naturally feels like we have a spirit of some kind or some kind of uh, assistance within us. And if it is real, then like this is this is a standard for Charlie Coleman to stay up to because if he ever starts to not have the bravery or the usual confidence that he would have while riding a horse, then he ceases to be of use to the headless horseman. And then does the horseman return to his uh, to the bottom of Kilcomer Hill, to the spot of his death, waiting for another young man to to ride out with him? Um, so there's. There's quite a bit to this idea of this headless horseman and this this Doolahan figure, and even if this story particularly is quite a bespoke headless horseman and isn't one that perhaps has anything in common with whether a headless horseman from some other story or from a Doolahan, there's something to this, and this kind of this story gave me a great inspiration for next week's episode which is going to be fireside of horror part three our third uh episode our third halloween special for fireside in the past i've put so much emphasis on doing the halloween specials which are usually always um more just direct direct readings of other texts both from irish folklore and literature and further afield and more just like gothic stories and that has that has in times made me forget to actually adapt other folk tales leading up to Halloween in the anticipation for it. And so that's why I wanted to do this story this week and the tale of the haunted cellar last week as well. But next week we will have our actual Halloween special just leading up in the week up to Halloween. And that is going to have a few different pieces in it. But I am going to do a bit of a focus on the Dullahan and I'm going to read an incredible um, Yeats piece that he did on All Souls Eve, which is basically, which is basically about Yeats' uh, commitment to his life of magic and his attempt to summon the ghosts of his dead friends on Halloween night. It's a fabulous, fabulous piece from The Tower, his, his best collection of poetry. Um, but I'm also going to do a reading from The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Washington Irving's incredible short story um, and because even though it's American um, it still feels so rooted in what we've been talking about this week and what we are going to talk about next week as well so it seems to fall under the same vein as when I've done say The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe or uh, done a few other bits or Frankenstein Mary Shelley as long as there's a window as long as something has a foot in the realm of this podcast then I always feel it feels like a natural place to go and it's a story that I had never thought of for a Halloween special of this podcast before. And it is one of the great Halloween stories of all time. And rereading it, uh, or really reading the story for the first time, because I've seen you know the adaptations of the movies, but I'd never actually read the story. And it is fabulously written, uh, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that. So that is next week. So I will wrap things up now. So if you have not done so already, please do follow me over on Instagram. Share this episode on your stories or tell a friend about it. Spread the good name of the podcast. Buy my book, Garden Sea, in paperback on uh, headstuff.com or in Kindle version from Amazon. All the links are in the description below. Come along to the launch if you're around on November 3rd, Thursday, November 3rd at 7 p.m. at um, the Wicklow Town Library upstairs in the function room. 
Um, tickets are free, but they are ticketed. I'll put a link to the description below if anyone's around. Thanks to those who have all booked tickets already. Hopefully get a good gang at it and for a lovely reading of some of the pieces from the book. Um, support the podcast directly by at Headstuff Plus by joining headstuffpodcast.com. I will see you all. You'll hear me all next time for the Halloween special, Fireside of Horror Part 3. Until then, I'll see you all. You'll hear me all. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.